morning. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be with you guys today. Um, I am the campus minister at the Baptist Collegiate Ministries there at the University of Georgia. And I want to thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome sometimes uh, if you're preaching at, at a church where you serve or whatever, you can kind of have a little impact on what the, uh, the worship uh, is and the songs that you're singing so that they fit with what you're preaching. Uh, we had no conversations before this morning about any of that, and uh, it fit really well. So, uh, so that's, it's, it's amazing how that works, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, that's right. And so, uh, also, um, it's okay uh, that, that you graduated from Tech, because you did send your children to UGA, and uh, so uh, that is okay. And uh, my understanding is they all came through the BCM. And did y'all all have Franklin? Did they all have Franklin? Yeah, man, unbelievable. He's, he's one of my buddies. That guy's one of the greatest guys in the world. And so uh, it is, it, it's, a, it's a humbling experience, honestly, to be in that role. Uh, I, was, I was a teacher and a coach for a, a really long time. Uh, I was head baseball coach at Jackson County for the last nine years that I was teaching and coaching. And um, I uh, ended up going into full-time ministry I'd done bivocational ministry before that, pastored, done interims, uh, student ministry, collegiate ministry, uh, you name it, uh, at various sizing, sizes of churches. I'd served in some churches that, that were 40 or 50 in size and had the opportunity to serve in a couple of churches that were 1,500, 1,600 in size. And so it really gave me this crazy spectrum of, of what church looks like and all the different ways that it's done. Uh, and I uh, ended up there serving full-time at Beach Haven and uh, then uh, Franklin retired, and so they uh, brought on Sarah Farley, and then Sarah left to go to the International Mission Board, and uh, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board had talked to me about going to Kennesaw State, and I had no uh, desire to live that close to Atlanta. Uh, I have a, a middle school daughter. I, I didn't really think timing. We prayed about it, and we did pray about it, but it was a, it was a pretty easy answer, to be honest with you. And uh, I made a joke to Joe Graham. I said, you know, I mean, if this was, you know, Athens, University of Georgia, it might be a different conversation. And it was really a joke because Sarah had just started and Jerry had just started. And uh, I didn't know Sarah was going to be leaving uh, as fast as she did. And so Joe and I had another conversation and, and, and God worked things out. And so we are at the University of Georgia. Uh, my wife is a nurse. Um, and then uh, she, had, she had worked at uh, Gwinnett Medical Center for a while uh, in Rockdale, and then she worked in Athens. She just uh, started working from home on the insurance side of things, and so she makes sure that stu people's stuff gets paid for, basically, and deals with coding, and is working from home, which is great for what I do. We have four children, uh, two daughters and two sons. Our sons are right in the middle. Uh, they are 8 and 12, and I got a 14-year-old daughter, and then uh, my 4-year-old turned 4 yesterday. And uh, so uh, we got a household full, got three dogs, one dog is pregnant, we're not keeping any of them. <laughs> but I'm excited that she's pregnant, because what I realized is that she's going to pay for herself plus some, you know? And so I would, I would, hey, if you get one that you can sell those puppies, I highly encourage that, it makes your money back. So, uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But anyways, that's who I am. And, uh, and, and I want to say thank you guys. Uh, because uh, there's a history of partnership and relationship between Forest Heights and the BCM. Uh, we host uh, what we call each year the Not-So-Super Bowl, and there's been so many years that you guys have been gracious to, uh, to be able to allow us to use your space out here to do that, and so I want to say thank you. Uh, this year was, even in the midst of COVID, uh, was amazing. Um, we had over 60 students participate in Not-So-Super Bowl that were unchurched, 
and or not part of a campus ministry. Uh, we really used it as an outreach event this year, and, and, and it worked out in a tremendous way. So, uh, with that said, that's who I am. Uh, we're going to uh, begin looking uh, today at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17 through verse 26. I've entitled this, How Can We Have Hope in a Hopeless World? How can we have hope in a hopeless world? Now, when you think about the book of Lamentations, uh, you don't always think about this idea of hope. Uh, matter of fact, if you look chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, and chapter 5, uh, if you're looking for a pick-me-up, I would highly suggest that's not where you go to read Scripture. Uh, but however, right in the middle of this, this is five poems, all right? And so here's Jeremiah. Uh, he's writing this from a place of having seen uh, all of really the, the, the fall of Jerusalem, the divine judgment of God upon God's people. And right in the middle of these five poems here in chapter 3, uh, he gives us this snippet of hope. And uh, you guys know what we've experienced over the last year and a half. Uh, and, and I've seen it firsthand in college students, the, 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 the stress, the anxiety, the hopelessness, the depression that's came about as a result of everything that took place during COVID. Uh, my wife and I have a dear friend that, that works in the recovery uh, uh, industry, I guess you call it an industry, the recovery world, uh, dealing with uh, people that, that are dealing with uh, recovery from, uh, from drugs and, and alcohol. And uh, she was telling us that during that, that first six months or so of the COVID, the COVID pandemic, uh, that they saw their highest rates of uh, people going back into addiction. They saw their highest rates of, of people committing suicide that they had seen in years and years and years and years. Uh, we know the, 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 uh, the effect that that pandemic had on our lives. And, uh, and I know uh, the effect that it had on college students who were already in a big transition in their life. And so I was asked to speak uh, to, uh, to uh, the Connect Ministries, uh, well, they were supposed to be doing camps last summer. They didn't get to do camps last summer. And so what they did is, uh, to, to those folks that they had brought on staff that were supposed to be running those camps, uh, instead, they, they did every so often, they did worship services online. And so they asked me to speak to those students, those college students, who would have been working camps, but because of the pandemic were not allowed to. And it was out of that uh, that this sermon really came together. As I began to look around and see just, just the distress that, that our world was going through, whether it was through the protests that had taken place, the national division that led to the, the last election, the COVID pandemic itself, the racial unrest that was out there. And, and it seems like we finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, doesn't it? Like it, it seems like we're finally at this place where things are getting a little bit better. I mean, we're sitting in church uh, you know, we're going back to, to some sort of normal, some resemblance of normal in a lot of ways. But yet, I mean, even in the midst of that, right, prices are rising, gas prices are rising. It, it seems like that if, we're, if, if we look back at history, we really live in a world where we go from one crisis to the next. And, and the longer you live, the more you realize that, right? Uh, this world is a place in which we can really find ourselves in a place of hopelessness if we're not careful, and when I walk around campus and I talk with students and we do surveys on campus or I just have conversations with students on campus as I'm trying to share with them the gospel or invite with them to different things that we're, we're doing or connect them with local churches, one of the things that I hear over and over and over again that students are desiring and needing is really a reflection of what this world needs in a greater sense and that is the hope that only Jesus Christ brings. The hope that only Jesus Christ brings. So as we look at this book of Lamentations today and we see how Jeremiah was dealing with this difficult time in the life of Jerusalem, uh, this difficult time in the life of the nation of Israel, 
Uh, I want us to, to see and focus here on verse 17 through verse 26 of chapter 3 and really see how it is that there is this message of hope in the midst of all of this difficult uh, time that, that Jeremiah is going through. So if you'll go ahead, take your Bibles and turn with me there to chapter, 17, or chapter 3 of Jeremiah, verse 17 through verse 26. I'll begin reading here in verse 17. Jeremiah writes and he says, My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness, so I say my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. That sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? And then he says this in verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wondering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. When I first read that, it doesn't make any sense to me. Because here Jeremiah is, and he's talking about all the things that's going on, all the things that are going on in his heart, in his soul, the brokenness that he's dealing with, and it's out of remembering that brokenness that he says these words, therefore I have hope. And he goes on in verse 22, and he says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. As we look here in Jeremiah chapter 3, I ask you to help us to see, Lord, that that, uh, in our lives there are going to be periods of difficulty. There are going to be times in which the circumstances that we face in our life just seem to have us upside down. Lord, sometimes it's things that we've created because we've went out and done something not very smart. Other times it's just the fact that we live in a broken, sinful world. And so uh, sin happens. Uh, Lord, uh, death happens. Lord, sickness happens. Lord, uh, uh, just uh, distress happens. And, And so, Lord, help us to see that even in the midst of that, we can find hope if we will find it in you. And if we will search for it in you and in your word. And so, Lord, I ask you today that if there is a person here that's, that's dealing with some difficult circumstance in their life, maybe it's related to work, maybe it's related to health, maybe it's related to their family, Lord, that today they will leave this place finding hope in you. Lord, if there's someone here today that's never found that hope that we can only find in salvation, Lord, I ask you that today that they would put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, for each and every one of us, help this word today to be an encouragement as we move forward in our lives. That, Lord, we will understand that there are times where we will face difficulties. But, Lord, in the midst of those difficulties, if we respond and if we seek you out in the way that we see here that Jeremiah did, that it's in the midst of that difficulty that we can find your grace and your mercy and your hope. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So where can we find hope in the midst of sometimes what seems like a hopeless world? The first thing that we see that Jeremiah says here in Lamentations is, is that we should embrace our circumstances. We should embrace or accept our circumstances. Notice in verse 17 through verse 21, the beginning of verse 21, he says here, he says, My soul's been rejected from peace. I've forgotten happiness. My strength has perished. My hope uh, from the Lord has perished. He says in verse 19, I, I remember my affliction. I remember my wandering, the, the wormwood and the bitterness. He, he says in verse 20 that uh, as his soul remembers, it's bowed down within him. And so what we find Jeremiah doing here is not running from the circumstances that he's facing in his life. 
He's not running from the fact that, 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 uh, that the nation of Israel is facing divine judgment from God. He's not running from the fact that, that Jerusalem has fallen. But instead what he's doing is he's actually leaning into his circumstances. Sometimes what happens in our individual lives is, is that we face difficulties in life. And what we find ourselves doing is, is in the midst of those difficulties, we will try to find escape, right? We will try to find some way to run away from that difficulty. Uh, for me, I, I, just being completely transparent, I love to travel. I, I really do. That's the one thing about my wife's new job that, that's going to be a little different. Uh, because uh, when she was a nurse uh, working in the hospital, she set her schedule. Now that meant that she might work five or six nights in a row. She, she worked nights. But then that meant she might be able to, depending on how her schedule worked, take seven or eight days off in a row, right? Without taking any vacation time. And so if, if we got an opportunity where there was a break from, from the schedule at UGA or a break from when I was teaching at the, uh, at the high school level, man, we'd hit the road. We'd go somewhere. And for me, though, I had to be careful because if I wasn't careful, what would take place is, is, that, is that my escape from the realities of this world would be just, I can't wait for the next trip. You know people like that? Right? It's like, hey, this trip ended, when's the next one, right? Uh, my wife says I'm that way sometimes when it comes to meals, right? You know, hey, uh, what's for dinner? And we just got through eating uh, lunch, right? Hey, what's for lunch? We just got through eating uh, breakfast. We were in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina this last week. Uh, with my son, who, uh, who's 12, he was playing in a, a Cal Ripken experience up there. We were supposed to go to Cooperstown, New York, and uh, COVID won. And so we didn't get to go to Cooperstown uh, to play in a big tournament there. So we, we uh, went to the Ripken experience anyways. And uh, every night, you know, you go eat somewhere, and, and I'm asking the question, where are we going tomorrow night, right? But the scary thing is, is that's how some of us live our lives, to escape the pain and the brokenness of this world. It's what's the next meal. It's what's the next event. It's what's the, the, the next uh, trip that we take. And you think about it. If we're not careful, even in ministry, we'll, we'll become that way. Uh, I have to fight all the time at the BCM against this idea of being just com completely event-driven. Uh, we looked at the calendar from a couple of years ago. And uh, the, they, there was a, we had gotten the little event calendar from a couple years ago. It actually got left in my drawer. I guess it got left in the drawer that was Sarah Farley's, and then she left it in the drawer for me. And I pulled it out, and I saw it, and I, and I called uh, Jerry uh, Johnson, uh, who's since retired, but I called him in my office. I said, Jerry, hey, we, we need to look at this. And he said, okay. And I said, I'm keeping this, and I'm posting it on the wall. And he said, why? There were so many events. It, it was nuts. It was like every single other night uh, there was something going on. You know, Tuesday night there was something going on. Thursday night there was something going on. Saturday night there was something going on. I was like, number one, how these kids do anything with their local church? I have no earthly idea. And, and number two, I mean, we're just creating these little temporary highs because we got this event, and then we got the next event, next event. And if we're not careful, ministry will work that way, right? Like, like churches will do that, right? It's planned the one event, it's over, then it's the next one. And, and if we're not careful, if you plan enough events, what happens is, is you can just get in the busyness mode and the planning mode, and you escape the reality that sometimes things are tough. And the, the reality is, is if, that if we just live in this sense of escapism, that there's, there's more serious consequences to that as well, aren't there? I mean, that's why we've got people running around our world today that are addicted to everything under the sun. Because they are trying to escape the difficulty that the world brings. Guys, it is a reality that because of sin, we are broken, we are fallen people. And sometimes it seems like, listen... There's no hope. And we don't like difficulty and pain. We try to escape it. But Jeremiah doesn't. 
And matter of fact, what we see is that in the midst of Jeremiah leaning into this pain and this difficulty and remembering how bad it is in verse 20 and verse 21, it's out of that that he says, therefore I have hope. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Guys, I want you to think about something for just a second. We, uh, our, our salvation, it, it, it circles around and, and really is centered in this fact that it is at the point of conviction of sin in our lives that we experience the grace and mercy of God in our lives. Have you ever thought about that? Like one of my favorite things in the world is when people like, you know, take the lady that was called into adultery. And they try to use that to be like, don't you judge nobody. Y- y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all heard those deals before, right? And I'm like, time out. Hold on just a second. Like, she's pulled out of a room in literally, like, the, the worst possible situation you can imagine being pulled out of, right? Into the street. And, and it's right there in that moment that she is confronted with her sin, And so you might ask, well, where did God's grace and mercy start in her life? It was at that confrontation. You think about it, right? And for us to experience salvation, the same thing had to happen in our life. At the point in which we were confronted with our sin, at the point in which we were confronted with our hopelessness, at the front in which we were confronted with our guilt, it is there and only there where we can experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So it makes sense that here we find Jeremiah saying in chapter 3, verse 20 and verse 21, it's when I remember my hopelessness that I find hope in the Lord. So we've got to embrace and accept our circumstances, but we also must rest in God's compassion. We must rest in God's compassion if we're going to experience this hope. Verse 21, he says, therefore I have hope. Verse 22, he says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, what Jeremiah is doing is Jeremiah is speaking to the character of God. And if we're not careful, we, we create an either-or God, right? In our lives, like we, or we create two gods is what we do. When we want the God that's just, we use the God that's just, right? But when we want the God that's gracious and merciful, we use the God that's gracious and merciful. But what we find in the truth of Scripture is this, is that God is who God is. And the reality is, is that while He is just, and while He was raining down divine judgment upon His people, It is in, check this out, it is in Jeremiah remembering the character of God that he remembers that, listen, it's not just that God is just and will bring divine judgment, but yet because God is just and will bring divine judgment, he is also merciful and is in that that I can find hope. Because he says I can rest in his compassion. Because he says, listen, God is who God is. And so when he speaks of God's character and his justice in the beginning of chapter 3, he cannot help but remember the entire character of God. And the fact that not only is he just, but that he is also merciful. See, circumstances had changed for God's people. But while circumstances change, 
God's character never does. It remains the same. Jeremiah finds hope in resting in God's loving kindness and in his compassion in his mercy. I love what this says here. It says that his compassions, his mercy, his loving kindness, it never ceases, it never fails. And in verse 23, he reminds us there that they are new every morning. There is enough mercy for each day. In Matthew, Jesus says each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't it comforting to know that here in Jeremiah, or in Lamentations, we read Jeremiah saying that not only does each day have enough trouble of its own, but that God gives us enough mercy for each day. Have you ever seen someone go through just some terrible event in their life? Maybe they've lost a loved one, maybe they've lost a child, and, and you sit back, I've heard people say this, you sit back and they go, man, I don't know how I could go through that. I don't know how I would respond. You ever heard somebody say that? Or you ever, or you ever said that? I mean, right? I mean, like I have. I've seen people go through just awful circumstances and situations in their life and go, and, and, and me take a step back and, man, I don't know how I'd respond. And, and I heard a pastor say one time, and so I've repeated it because that's what we do as, as ministers. We steal what other people say. And if it's scriptural, we repeat it, right? That's what we do. And, uh, and, and I've told many people this. I've said, guys, listen. God will provide the mercy and the grace that you need when you need it. The reality is we probably don't want to know how we would respond in that moment. We probably don't want to know how much grace and mercy we would need in that moment. Because if we did, we'd have to feel the hurt and the pain also. And so here Jeremiah says, listen, his, his mercy, his loving kindness, his compassion, it is new Every day. The King James and the New King James in verse 22 remind us that because of God's mercy, we are not consumed. We're not consumed. It reminds me of what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 through 9 say. It says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Guys, the reality is, is that we live in a sinful, broken world. And because of that, we are going to find times where circumstances just flat out stink. And it's hard. In those times, it is important not to just try to run and to escape, but instead to lean into that difficulty. And in leaning into that difficulty, that is where you will find yourself resting in God's compassion. Not only should we embrace our circumstances, not only should we rest in God's compassion, but third this morning, we should hope in Christ. We should hope in Christ. He says in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. See, we were singing about waiting or something like that this morning, weren't we? Said, I mean, man, that was good. Like, wow, look at this. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. That he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Notice what Jeremiah is doing here. Jeremiah is setting up the, the reader in such a way to understand that, listen, this stinks. It's tough. And what's really interesting is, is in chapter 4 and 5, he's going to get right back to, hey, guess what? It stinks and it's tough. But right here in the middle, he says... But listen, there's an expectation 
that something better is coming. Right? That in the middle of all of this, something better is coming. I, I love to remind college students all the time that when we read Old Testament scripture, we must read it through the lens of Jesus Christ and the cross. You, you must always read the Old Testament pointing to the cross, right? And you must always read the New Testament looking back at the cross, but not only looking back at the cross, but also pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. And, and so we just mentioned the fact that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through verse 9, that ultimately that, yeah, we're afflicted in every way. We're not crushed, but perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. But then in, in verse 10 of that passage in 2 Corinthians, it also says this, that we're always caring about the, in the body the dying of Jesus. And check this out. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. And so the image here that we find in 2 Corinthians and also here in Lamentations is this. Is that, listen, sometimes life is tough. And it seems like we're being crushed. But we're not if our hope is in Jesus Christ. Because something better is coming. Right? Something better is coming. And, and that's why we, we read in 2 Corinthians that even in the midst of our bodies dying, even in the midst of us facing the difficulties of our brokenness and our sinfulness, that it is through that that the life of Jesus is being made manifest in us. That is why here as Jeremiah writes in Lamentations, he says there, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for what? For the salvation of of the Lord. See, we know that Christ has overcome death. And therefore, in the midst of our suffering, that is where we find hope. That is where we find hope. Guys, what this world needs is hope. Hope. I mean, we decide that what we want to do, man, I'm doing good, all right checking my time there this is what we do as a world decided if I was going to chase this rabbit or not but I am I got a, little, a few minutes um, we try to come up with every man-made way that we possibly can to fix the ills of the world don't we right I mean we really do and and nobody can agree on which man-made way, way is going to work right and so then we fuss and fight over it right it's what we do. I, I was a political science major originally in, in, uh, in undergrad, and uh, it only lasted for like a year uh, because I actually accepted the call in the ministry going into uh, college, and, uh, but I'd already declared my major and, and uh, already signed up for classes and all this stuff, and uh, so I got there and asked my, uh, my, um, my uh, what do you call those folks, advisor, there you go, I asked my advisor, I said, hey, what do I need to do? He said, oh, just stay in these classes, it'll help you somewhere down the road anyway. I said, okay. No problem. Uh, what I didn't know is that later on down the road, uh, when I became a teacher, uh, my first head coaching job in baseball, they said, hey, if you go teach, take this class over the summer and then you take this test, you can get certified in special education and you'll be our next head baseball coach. Well, I was right out of college, so I was like, shoot, sounds good to me. I mean, what's the difference in teaching health and PE and weight training and special education? Boy, I found out, I promise you. Well, when I got my certification in special education, all of a sudden I got certified in, uh, in uh, social studies, K-8 through cognitive level as well, and then ended up getting a certification in political science as well because of those classes I took 
in undergrad. So it worked out well. So yeah, my advisor knew what he's talking about, I guess. But anyways, I, so I, I love, like I love like talking politics and all that kind of stuff, which is difficult when you're in ministry because you're, it usually is beneficial if you don't. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? It's a great way to put a wall up. Um, so, so I'll make sure it's somebody I, I, I know real good that already trusts me. Uh, but anyways, um, I mean, you think about it. I mean, that's why we have politics, because we got a bunch of people trying to come up with a bunch of man-made ways to fix all the ills of the world, right? So of course we can't agree. Of course we can't. And you know what? None of it's going to work. I'm just being honest with you. Now, I mean, if we weren't in church and you asked me my personal opinion, I'd give it to you on some things. I'm not right now, so don't ask. But what I am going to say is this. Okay, so yeah, some of us think some things will work better than others, but, but it's not going to work. You know what will work? If we see people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior and their heart changes, then guess what? Then their behaviors change. This, this is the only thing that will fix the ills of the world. That's where our hope is. So, so we don't run from the issues in society. No, we don't run from them. They're real. We lean into them. But in leaning into them, what we do is this, is we find opportunities to point people to the only one who can truly change their life, which is Jesus. I mean, you want a world where people are more hospitable? Find a world where people all love Jesus, right? You, you want a world where, where we don't have all the social injustices that are going on and, and all the racial unrest that's going on? Find a world where people love Jesus. And we have the answers. But so many times what we do, instead of what Jeremiah did, is, is we escape. We, we get in our bubbles, right? Where everybody believes the same way we believe and thinks the same way we think, right? And we feel good about ourselves and we pat ourselves on the back. And then we go out into a world that's broken and we go, why can't they figure it out? Well, why can't they act the same way we act? We expect lost people to act like saved people. We expect the world to live with a biblical worldview when they have nothing even close to it. What Jeremiah says is this. Yeah, there is, there is divine judgment. Yes, it is real. Yes, the world is broken. And yes, sometimes it stinks to live in a world that is broken. But in the midst of that, if we will remember the character of God and who he is, we will not only realize that judgment is real and that he is just, but we will find his grace and his mercy because we know that today we have a hope that can be found nowhere else but in the saving person of Jesus Christ. In South Africa, there's a famous cape. It's called the Cape of Good Hope. But that wasn't what it was originally named. In 1488, Bartholomew Diaz made his way around the Cape, exploring for Portugal, and he named it the Cape of Storms. 
Because if you know anything about that area, you know that it was a terrible area when it came to weather. And there was extreme difficulty in sailing around it. But yet, King John II of Portugal renamed it the Cape of Good Hope. Because of the expectancy with which he viewed a new route to India and the East. He knew that once you cleared the storms, something better was coming. And we have that same hope. But it's not in a new trade route. It's not because we know some storm on the ocean is going to end. It's not in a social or political movement. It's not in new legislation. It's not in finances. It is only found in Jesus Christ. So when we see the world for what it is, we will and we should become brokenhearted at all the storms, at all the darkness, at all the brokenness, at all the sin, the same way Jeremiah did in Lamentations. But that brokenheartedness is not a bad thing. If we allow it to draw us to find rest in the mercy of an almighty God and to acknowledge our need for Jesus Christ every day and in every circumstance and in every storm. Because when we acknowledge who he is, our contemplation of the trouble in this world will actually become a confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. That is where we find our hope. That's why the old hymn reads, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Listen, what our world needs is hope. What our churches need is hope. What we as individuals need is hope. And listen, I get it. There are some of you sitting here today, and you've dealt with health issues. You've dealt with family struggles. You've dealt with issues on your job. You've dealt with, with children that aren't living the way that you want them to live, aren't following God's call in their life. I get it. That's stuff we all face. Listen, where you will find hope is if you will lean into that. And in leaning into that, you will find the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that will cover your brokenness. And I get it. Sometimes in church life, it gets tough. Sometimes in periods of transition, it gets tough. And you look around and you ask, right? When, when are we going to get out of the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel? What I encourage you to do as a church is to lean into it. What I encourage you to do as a church is to recognize that, that every individual's life and every church's life has periods of transition, has periods of the mountaintop and periods of the valley. But in those, lean into it. And in leaning into it, you will find the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And you can live and you can do ministry with one another, with your families, and as a church with an expectancy of what Christ has in store for you around the corner. That's what he wants from us. Because when his people live in that manner, what happens is, is it becomes contagious to those who we come in contact with on a day-to-day -day basis. So don't be like Bartholomew Diaz and call it the Cape of Storms. But instead, let's call it the Cape of Good Hope. I want to pray for you today. I want to give you a charge and an opportunity to respond. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at, I'm going to ask the musicians to go ahead and come this way. And I want to ask you today, are you struggling? 
If you are and you need hope, then listen. Maybe this altar is for you. Maybe today you just need to say, God, I, I need to place this at the foot of the cross. God, God, I need to ask you to just encourage me. God, I, I just need somebody to come alongside and just, just, just a pat on the back and say, hey, I love you. Why don't you come put that at the foot of the cross today? Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's the case, I want you to hear me clearly today. You are hopeless without Jesus Christ. I don't say that being mean. I don't say that being ugly. I say that because it's the truth of God's word. Because God's word tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And that that sin separates us from him. The Bible says the wages of that sin is death. The Bible also tells us that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Again, the same thing Jeremiah was telling us, the same thing that Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we can find our hope in the midst of hopelessness in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you've never prayed and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today, listen, acknowledge your sin. Admit that that sin separates you from God. But come to the place today where you're willing to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that sin separates me from you, but God, I need you to forgive me of my sin, and I ask you to do that, and I give my heart and life to you, and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior today. Listen, if you'll do that, he will save you, and he will give you hope. I'm going to be here at the front. If you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come and grab me by the hand and say, today, Tommy, I need to know Christ because I need hope in the midst of hopelessness. And again, if you're here and you're a believer, but you just need God to just sort of reinvigorate your life, your faith. Listen, lean into those difficulties. Place them at the foot of the cross. And in that, your circumstances will become a confession of your faith. Let me pray for us and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing. As we uh, pray and then as we stand, if you need to make a decision for Christ, don't wait. You come this morning and do that. Lord, we thank you so much for, your day, for this day. We thank you that you, Lord, are where we find our hope. We thank you, Lord, that it is through, Lord, the difficult circumstances of this life, Lord, the dying of our bodies, as Paul said, that, Lord, your life is made manifest in us. We thank you that you give us mercies new each day, and those mercies are enough for each circumstance that we will face. And, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, when our sin has separated us from you, Lord, that you came to this earth, that you died on a cross after living a perfect life, that you rose three days later, and that because of that, Lord, that we can put our faith and trust in you. Lord, we can experience salvation. The salvation, Lord, that Paul was referencing. The salvation, Lord, that Jeremiah ultimately was referencing. And Lord, that through that, that we can find hope and peace and assurance that only comes from a relationship with you. Lord, bless this time as we respond to your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you come as we sing today. Stand and sing.